with Scott Allen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this beautiful world. I am your host, Scott J. Allen, and this is Phrenesis, Practical Wisdom for Leaders. Now, I am a professor of management at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. In addition, I'm a husband and father of three teens. Now, this is a family endeavor. Will played the intro, Kate voiced the intro, and who knows, you may hear from Emily a little later. I'm also an author, entrepreneur, speaker, and co-founder of the Collegiate Leadership Competition. I love to travel, explore new places with family, and learn from others. Phronesis offers a smart, fast-paced discussion about all things leadership and followership, if we're honest. My guests are scholars and practitioners, and we cover relevant topics and incorporate practical tips designed to help you make a difference in how you lead and live. I am proud to share a few updates. According to Listen Notes, Phronesis is listed as among the top 3% of podcasts in the world because of you. So thank you. In addition, the podcast has two sponsors. First, Phronesis is the official podcast of the International Leadership Association, an association that is near and dear to my heart. ILA brings together leaders and those who teach, study, and develop leadership, advancing leadership knowledge and practice for a better world. Learn more at ila-net.org. My second sponsor is the Bowler College of Business at John Carroll University. At Bowler, we offer several advanced degrees and MBAs, and I'm confident that there's one that will fit your location, interests, and timeline. In fact, our online MBA is ranked as the number one in Ohio and number nine in the United States. We offer international study tours, a contemporary and forward-looking curriculum, and access to senior leaders and flagship organizations. Learn more at business.jcu.edu. You can find links to both sponsors in the show notes. Now, if you like what we're up to, please hit subscribe so you can stay current as we release new episodes each week. You can also share what we're up to with others, friends, colleagues, leaders, teams, students, and others you think will benefit. And now, today's show. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Phronesis Podcast. Thank you so much for checking in wherever you are in the world today. I have Roy Tuscany, and he is originally from Waterbury, Vermont. And after graduating from UVM with a degree in mechanical engineering, Roy headed out west to pursue the dream of being a professional free skier. In 2006, Roy suffered a life-changing injury that left him paralyzed from the waist down and was the catalyst to the creation of High Fives Foundation. Roy turned the financial and community support of his own recovery into a pay-it-forward adventure with the creation of High Fives Nonprofit Foundation. He was named the Spirit Inspires Award from Disabled Sports USA in 2011 and once held the world record for the most high fives in a 24-hour period. He lives in Reno, Nevada with his partner Elena Nichols and son Gunner and enjoys finding fun in everything he does, biking, skiing, surfing, and everything outdoors. We've got a couple things we got to jump into right away. Uh, did you spend a little bit of time at Nectar's while you were at uh, UVM, sir? Oh, man, what a great remembering there. Nectar's, yes. One of my favorite bands named by Strangers. It was an awesome uh, jam band in the late 90s, early 2000s. They did a lot of weeklies. We were hoping they were going to be the next fish. Nectar wasn't there. Funny story, my um, aunt, actually, her name is Debbie Sanders. It was always rumored that Nectar had a a massive crush on her. She was a a waitress there back in the day. So yes, yes, and yes is the answer to all (laughs) of the above. I've seen a fish show or two in my day. So I was in Burlington and my family was like kind of going down for the night. And I said, I'm going to go on a walk. And I just went over to Wet Nectar's and had a beer. And no one was playing that night, but it was just nice to be there. Lovely part of the country. And then 
I used to have this assignment in my MBA course where literally the students, the 15% of their final grade was achieving a Guinness world record. So the students had to find a world record, had to decide on which one they were going to do. And essentially what it was, was all these leadership concepts that we were discussing would just bubble up the stressors and the need to influence others to participate. And just, it was the students became a case study, but the first world record we ever got, because they, every year they did it, they achieved it. And there's some pretty low hanging fruit when it comes to world records. (laughs) I mean, I can tell you some stories, but the first one they got was the most high fives in a minute. And no that was, way. Yeah, that was a fascinating, it was, it was it, they broke a record that had been accomplished in Japan. But I mean, just watching them go through this event and, but it was the most number of high fives given in one minute. So it was one person cruising through the room to try and get as many as possible. And of course we had folks from Deloitte there to like certify it and stuff. But tell me your story about the Guinness world record. You're literally just getting high fives for 24 hours. Yeah. The wild thing about my story is I only held it for a short period of time. And originally I did it as a way to try to help increase attendance to a ski show. And the ski show projected numbers. And unfortunately, the numbers they projected, I can tell you, are not nearly the numbers they projected, which then led me on this absolute just carnage of a pursuit. I ended up going to Pac Bell Stadium for a football game that ended up getting rained out. I ended up going to, I think, 50 plus bars. We had a counting clock, two hand clickers, a video. And, you know, lo and behold, I ended up did break the record 9,325. The record before was 9,307, which was held at the time by a guy by the name of Josh Dewitt, who's actually one of my best buddies now. He's the first individual ever to do a backflip in a sit ski. And Josh and I have you know, formed an awesome relationship. He's a member of our organization and everything, an ambassador and an athlete. But it was ironic because it was used to like kick off this ski show, which didn't end up happening at all near the numbers we needed, but then ended up using it as a really good promo for us. So it's wild that you added that to your grading. I think it's so cool. The process is so wild. And it's always really exciting to hear just like every year when something gets broke. Cause I think like, you know, a lot of the records that were like the traditional ones that were in the original books, I think are kind of like, they're more monumental. So the ones now that are being broke are like, you know, advantageous, like derivatives off of, you know, the bigger ones, like what's the most high fives you can do in 24 hours while, you know, swimming across the Atlantic, like who knows what the next one will be. But I think that's like the cool part. And it's like, it's cool. It's just like such a great thing to claim, own and achieve. I have the record and everything like that and the big thing. So it's really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Actually, I think there's a, so I do a session with Toyota and before I go on, there is a video taken inside the High Fives Foundation, I believe. And there's a Guinness world record kind of sitting up against a desk. That's probably it. Yeah. Oh, it's actually, it's now... It's up on that wall right there to the oh, left of me. <laughs> well, okay. So let's talk about the High Fives Foundation. You are a founder. You are uh, leading a really, really important organization in the world. And so talk a little bit about the impetus of the organization, and then let's jump into what you're doing today. Yeah. So back in 2004, I was an aspiring pro skier that moved out West to achieve the Aspen extreme dreams that DJ Burke and Dexter Rutecki put forth and the very famous to me, but not famous to all movie called Aspen extreme back in the day. 
was here for two years, ended up being coach of the year. And unfortunately, went 130 feet on a 100 foot jump the weekend of the coach's retreat. So it was supposed to be a, a coach's retreat to celebrate the weekend. Ironically, they've never done the coach's retreat since 2006, the Sugar Bowl Academy. I don't know what might have happened to cause them to remove this from the planning each year. But I um, sustained a life-changing injury. The resultant impact into the snow first fractured my T12 vertebrae into my spine. And the impact caused a new path for my life. I was immediately life-flighted to the hospital here in Reno, emergency surgery. And I now entered into this world of spinal cord injury, spinal cord injury recovery, adaptive sports, disability, and kind of all those things in between. And I think, you know, that's something that I never planned, but gosh, am I glad that this community and this world existed and how I have also, you know, been a part of it and welcomed into it as well, you know, from the very beginning. And I think that's one thing not many people realize. You have these life-changing injuries and your life is going to get super, you know, thrown apart. But at some point, you know, there's a really great path. Wow. Wow. And so you have this experience and then talk a little bit about you know, the process of founding the organization. So, you know, when I got hurt, there wasn't really organizations that were a part of, you know, I guess would be helping you along the path. That to me was something that I was like, wow, like, the advice that I've been given right now while I lay here in a hospital bed, if this is the advice that's being given to those, maybe there should be something out there that, you know, provided a little bit more guidance so that others could recover. And I think to me, that has been like one of the driving forces, but then also just seeing like how underserved the community is and how like at one time, you know, and a lot of great organizations, Challenge Athletes Foundation, Kelly Brush Foundation, and others have helped like spearhead along with High Five to help eliminate what I think was really, you know, a stronghold on the organization when I first got hurt, which was like adaptive sports were really controlled by like adaptive programming. And so like, if you wanted to try skiing, you'd have to register in advance and then, you know, get those. And you still need all those because without them, you don't have the process to learn. But then there was no step like after that. And so I think amazing organizations like the ones I've listed, and there's a ton out there. Those are just some of my favorites. Kind of have enabled individuals, but everybody that we support and others to like have the ability to own their own equipment. And that now eliminates that barrier of like, cool, I get to go skiing on the third Saturday in December for three hours. Well, what if the weather's not good? Well, you're already locked into paying for it and stuff. So I think it really gives the opportunity that myself and other organizations have done to like empower individuals with life-changing injuries, disabilities, adaptive sports, and, you know, move forward because now they have their own equipment. And you're like, you still need those amazing programs. And there's so many good ones across the country, Vermont Adaptive Achieve Tahoe, National Sports Center for Disabled, National Ability Center, the list goes on. But the biggest thing is I think there was a gap after the person learned was, well, how do they do this independently now? Because none of this equipment's cheap. And I think that's what myself and those organizations have done and and really like push forward for others and giving the idea of like adapting and destroying the barrier. And that barrier was the ownership of your own equipment. I love that phrasing, destroying the barrier. That's that's what we're going to call this episode. That's awesome. Talk more about that, destroying the barrier. 
So for the longest time, you know, I had always heard this term adapt and overcome. And while I think that's like a really great, you know, mindset that, you know, no matter what comes for me, I'll adapt and I'll overcome and I'll be able to move forward. The problem that I had was, okay, well, if I learn how to overcome, how do I share that with other people in a way that other people get the ability to also overcome? And I said, wait a second, hold on. So all we're really doing is we're seeing a barrier, we're getting a ladder, and let's say the ladder is eight feet tall and the wall's 10 feet. And so everybody who has the ability to get on top of an eight-foot ladder and then climb over a 10-foot wall and then come down the other side, well, they can overcome, they can adapt and overcome. And I have just have always struggled. And I actually got the ability, you know, the gift to do a TED Talk this year. And the TED Talk's called Adapt and Destroy. I did it up here in Reno. And it was a phenomenal experience to be able to share this and now to be able to also share it in a kind of crunched down version is that instead of putting that ladder up, the whole concept is, well, let's just drive something through the wall (laughs) and let's make it so that instead of someone else having to figure out the playbook to overcome, the playbook is drive this truck through the wall yeah, and allow (laughs) the next person after you to see that the barrier is no longer there. Mm. And I think that's like been a really cool thing that myself and you know, the organization and other organizations have really been able to do is like, no, 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 let's stop using ladders with shoots on the other side. That game was never fun. You could never win as a kid. And let's just like, let's get those fast and the furious cars and drive right through the walls. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me a couple stories, just stories that stand out for you as you've done this work and you think about the work. What are some stories that make you smile when you think about them, what you've witnessed based on what the organization has done for others? I think like one thing that like is overarching is like, if you think about like all these different groups and especially over the last couple of years, there's been a really big highlight based on race, ethnic group, religion. There's so many of these things and they all get highlighted. And at times they get really risen up, even though they're small percentages of the overall population. And the one thing that I've noticed is that through these rises and the struggles that each of these groups identify and show, at times they get risen to the top in a way that almost seems like it's just this incredible amount of support, which I believe everybody should get. You know, life is hard. And if like you can find ways to support others that have it a little bit harder in some way or not, well, then awesome. We're making the world a better place. But I'll tell you what, the one group that I have seen that gets so underserved are individuals with disabilities. Mm. And the reason being is that I forgot this phenomenon. There's actually an acronym for it, is that we're all becoming disabled. From that, there's a fear. And the fear is, is knowing that we take for granted our able body at the time as whatever we have. And most people look at it from a I got to go do this instead of I get to go do this. Mm. And there's such a different mindset within that little switch of one vowel in that second word. And so the thing that I've seen that myself and high fives, and again, I can't take this credit. I want to list as many as organizations, but there's so many we'd fill up the whole time listing them. Just know that all the organizations that are working in the adaptive disabled space, if I mention or not, are doing incredible work. But the thing that I've noticed is that this community is so underserved. And it's because I believe people are afraid 
to see what might actually happen to them. Mm. Because as we age, we start to disable. I always say this joke to folks, you know, what are you most scared of? And I say, oh, it's disease, OL. They're like, whoa, what's (laughs) OLB? Is that like HIV or you know, all these little acronyms. I'm like, no, just, just put the letters together. Like it's old. And I'm like, yeah, and you can't do anything against it. You know, we can try to help ourselves, but we're all aging. And so I think one reason disability has been underserved is because the fact that people are afraid of the idea and that they're going to become disabled themselves. And instead of just helping the easiest way, and I learned this from this great group of people that it is going to take a couple generations. And I think you know, what we're doing is helping speed up this. But during the return of vets from Vietnam, it was one of the first times where actually folks came back alive with amputation or wheelchair or whatever type of disability. It was really the first time because before the care either they didn't survive or they stayed where they were. Yeah. And so people came back and, you know, I remember this as a kid growing up in a small town that had a mental health hospital in it, including a lot of Vietnam vets, is the fact that my parents and nothing against them and everybody in our community said, when you see an individual with a disability smile, look away and walk. Mm. So how is it now that we're going to change this generational change? Well, it's going to take a little bit of time, but you know, that's a big mission of mine and myself and others. And, you know, I'm seeing it already. This most recently, one thing that makes me so smile is recently at the ISA world para surf championships that were just held in Huntington beach, which Elena just shredded scored a perfect 10, got barreled in the ocean, like raised the bar. (laughs) But the true energy that I saw was a young girl from Scotland. That's a quadruple amputee by the name of Jade became really good friends with my four-year-old son, Gunner. And the relationship they built at that time was just too young. She's really much younger, but she's still competing in this world division. They built this awesome bond. And when Gunner got back, he said, Hey, mom and dad, you know, this girl, Jade, is really cool. And it's okay that she's different because I'm different too. Uh, and that mindset right there, I know what I led up to get to there, but I had to say all those things because I believe what we're doing is helping change that mindset because I'm not going to teach my son to smile, look away, and continue to move on. Yeah, Everybody's got a heart and everybody's got a mind. We all take two breaths. And if outside of those three things, well, then we can start to argue how we are different. But if we go to the core of that, then we are all the same. And I think that's like one of our biggest things that makes me smile about what we're doing at High Fives. And that's just one of the ways that I recognize that, you know, we've been able to do it and show it forth. You know, the other things that come to this place is just like, we get to do a lot of cool surprises. And I think that's been like some of the biggest things when we do this thing called the Dreamboat Award. And this guy, his name's Ryan McLaren. He works as the chief of staff for a uh, congressman in Vermont by the name of Peter Welch. And Ryan is a walking paraplegic like myself. Got hurt skiing, very similar um, story to mine. And when we first met him, he was, you know, probably I don't know over two hundred pounds. And you know that was something that was holding back his recovery. And during COVID, most of us unfortunately gained weight. Ryan took the opportunity and said, "Hey, I've got this time, and I'm going to focus on me." And one of the biggest hindrances that I've had is my weight. And so, you know, we, we didn't host anything for a period of time with the foundation. And we got a gathering together to do an adaptive mountain bike camp about 10 months into COVID. And all of a sudden, this dude's walking up with two canes, super skinny, great chiseled face, perfect hair. <laughs> and I was like, Danny, like, who's this? Like, I thought I saw everyone on the list. She's like, holy crap, it's Ryan. <laughs> we started at that time what we call the dreamboat. 
and it's got nothing to do with physical looks, but what we've done from that is like that moment, seeing how committed Ryan was to that. We ended up giving him an e-bike so that he could keep going biking, biking with his family. And, you know, we do traditional grants, but we also do discretionary grants at times that, that help like further a lot of, you know, people's goals. And so Ryan started this trend called the Dreamboat. And so now every camp that we host, we host 24 camps a year, we wow. give away a Dreamboat award and we host them in five verticals. Uh, we host them in dirt, surf, bike, fish, and snow. And at each of these, we nominate an award, a Dreamboat award. And that individual gets to leave that camp knowing that they're getting a brand new piece of equipment. And the dream boat has nothing to do with their physical appearance. The dream boat is they're now getting a new vessel to go do their <laughs> favorite thing. And I think that's like one of the biggest takeaways that I love doing is that surprise because you never know. And it's like, it evolves. It doesn't like when we go into the camp, we're not like, oh, okay, this person's going to get it. You know, it's like some camps are one day, some are, you know, week long. And over those time periods, it evolves into who gets it. And I think like, as we spoke about, you know, one of the biggest takeaways that I saw that wasn't available in this space was people owning their own equipment. So we're just furthering what, you know, I witnessed 15 years ago and we get to do it all the time now. So as you were just speaking, I, something came to mind for me. I just, I finished a, a weekend long course about two weeks ago and it's a course on presentation skills. Okay. So essentially these are grad students. They come in Friday night, all day, Saturday, Sunday, and we challenge them to work at a really high level. Like when we make it fun, you, you, we have belts. So you get your white belt and then you get a yellow belt and then you get a black belt. And, you know, the students are walking around proud of themselves. But what's really, really interesting about that weekend is that you have just in a very short period of time, you have people with a certain identity of what in their mind, bumbling around, oh, I'm not a good presenter. I'm not that person who can stand up. And it is so beautiful, so beautiful on Sunday morning. We have like a final competition. It's like a dance off, but it's for speakers. So we make a big deal of it. And oftentimes the five people that their group has nominated to present aren't the five people we would have thought would be up there presenting. And they're knocking it out of the park. They're just killing it. And you can see this just beautiful identity shift happening literally in front of your eyes. I imagine you see that too. You see over a course of a period of time, someone who walks in and it's just beautiful, Roy, can only imagine that this is happening, but you see people's identity begin to shift and like, oh my gosh, wow, I could, maybe, perhaps, I think I can. And you get to be a part of that process. I'm right, aren't I? I mean, you're literally like, I think you have a microphone in our office or something because we just had this conversation. We have our upcoming gala. Beautiful, isn't at, it? It's like so beautiful. And this one that I have, like you just like opened up the book to like one of the coolest ones ever. So motorcycle clubs, motorcycle okay. gangs, like legitimate patches, leather, sons of anarchy, individual got hurt. He's in a motorcycle club here in Reno. It's called the Lucky Ones. And let's just say they don't have a reputation that they show up with flowers and, you know, everything. They're, they're a true motorcycle club. Austin got paralyzed. And at the time, I want to say he was two, 250 plus pounds, tattooed to the galore everywhere. Wears shirts that he designs himself with just very aggressive writing on them. And when I first met him, I met him on a phone call during COVID, I didn't really get a visual. And, you know, I'll talk to anybody that had a spinal cord injury. So then after that, about a year later, 
COVID's kind of relaxing a little bit and things are lifting and he's at a bike camp we're hosting. And someone's like, yo, that's awesome. He really wants to chat with you. He said he met you at Renown. I was like, I, I didn't meet that dude. And they're like, no, Austin wants to chat with you. And I was like, yeah, I, I didn't meet that dude. And like, I was so intimidated, like to the highest degree. <laughs> and then I finally just said, dude, just, just go over there. You guys have one common thing, regardless, you both have spinal cord injuries and you want to show up today and mount, ride mountain bikes together. So let's do this. Boom, boom, boom. Go over, introduce myself to him. And like, I'll never forget it. I was like, Hey man, Austin, I'm Roy. And I like kind of over, I definitely over amplified my voice, probably put my chest out, grabbed my hand in a way and definitely gave a good solid look to be like, yeah. And he's like, <laughs> Hey Roy, it's so nice to see you. I'm like, what the f- wait? What is what? It, it was like the most soft, like baby voice, and that started this journey with him. Now, fast forward to where we are today, he might be 165 pounds of pure lean muscle. Take two that his injury has caused him to, the loss of his legs, and he uses a wheelchair, and he is like absolutely finding every shape, way, or form to show up and participate, show up and work out. And it's like the payoff is not only just physically, but it's also his mental, his emotional, his social. And he went from this guy that like, take the worst character in Sons of Anarchy, if you've seen the show, to paint that picture, who had this life-changing injury. And instead of saying, I'm going to amplify the path I'm on, I'm going to find something called post-traumatic growth. And I'm going to use this injury to grow myself through this traumatic experience. I've never heard that phrase, post-traumatic growth. Would you talk oh, about Oh, man, do you want to go deep? Well, we got the time. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So we have a Netflix film coming out in January called Full Circle. It's about the journey of an individual by the name of Trevor Kennison, who is probably the most popular adaptive skier right now. He's, he's easily the most popular you know, snow sports athlete. Uh, with a disability, and he's doing things that are unheard of. While the process of putting a short documentary together, he aired into Corbett's Coulard up at Jackson Hole in the Kings and Queens event and put himself on the map, made Sports Center top 10. But the wild thing is, Corbett's Coulard is named after an individual by the name of Barry Corbett. Barry Corbett was the Campbell man and was on the original support staff to get the first team up to the top of Everest. And he decided not to go up to the top because he said, I'm young, I'll be back again. Unfortunately, the next year, he had an injury that changed his life while filming a ski documentary. And he too had a spinal cord injury. So as Trevor becomes famous as an individual with spinal cord injury, airing into Corbett's Kular, we understand and start to develop the storyline of Barry Corbett. We then put together a four-year project that dovetails Trevor and Barry's story together to showcase what is possible after a life-changing injury. And he ends up going to Craig, both of them. And the story is amazing. And what we showcase in the film is so many things. But the one thing is there's an individual by the name of Dr. Lester Butts. And he is a psychologist from Craig Hospital. And he has coined this term post-traumatic growth. And it is a rare phenomenon that individuals after sustaining a life-changing injury will put together a life-changing, not only change to the way they physically move, but also to the way their path of life. And instead of allowing it to decline, you actually become this almost 
superhuman. Elena Nichols is one, Josh Duick is one, Trevor Kennison is one, Barry Corbett is one, the list goes on and on, but it's rare. And when it's done, it's absolutely, truthfully, the one time you can probably use the term inspiring or inspirational or, or actually use for what those individuals have done. Because going to the grocery store or getting in and out of the car is not inspiring. That is just what an individual has to do every day. But what that list of folks that I just put together have done, and plus many more, that is post-traumatic growth. That is inspirational. That is inspiring. Wow. I'm really excited to, to watch that. What I'd love to know from you is, how has it been to lead? I mean, obviously, that's not probably why you've gotten into the gig, but you found yourself... <laughs> leading this organization, what are you learning about yourself while you're doing that work? What do you think? How unaccountable I was for my actions for the first many years of operating. <laughs> How truth and honesty is the driving force in all really amazing outcomes of life. That as a leader, you need to respond and not react. That until you have 10,000 hours of doing something, you are not an expert at all. That if you believe that you've achieved perfection, you're not a leader. And that <laughs> if you're ever really in a bad place and you need to know how to move forward for something, there's this video by Jocko called Good. And it will just shock you when you hear his words about like, good, what are you going to do next? And it's like, if you're always at that point of, all right, good, what can I do better? And I think that's really it. But like mine, oh my God. I started High Fives in 2009 with no idea of what I was doing. 15 years later, I, I think I've got a pretty good idea of what I'm doing. I've got an amazing board and incredible staff that help really showcase my success in a way that, you know, yeah, it takes a good leader. But at the same time, I'm nothing without these individuals. I'm super lucky. I treated people pretty poorly through the first like seven years in my organization due to the fact that founders glory and alcoholism. I was a horrific alcoholic that instead of facing any issues, it was easier just to get drunk and have a good time with people and forget about the way that you may treat them because you got them drunk and bought them around of shots and you guys got deep later that night. Yeah. That's not real. Over the last like seven years of discovery, it took like five years to get the booze out of my system, I think. I think I drank so much that to truly detox, to truly get everything out, took a pretty good long period of time. And I think in the last couple of years, I finally had all the blinders off and can really see how my behavior affects people. I'm a positive, infectious, joy-bringing, happy person. Well, I hate to say it, I can also be on the flip side of that as well. Yeah, that's not anybody else's fault other than myself. And after a long period of time of, you know, blinding it with alcohol and then moving through a space of releasing all that alcohol, it's really gotten me to this point where this guy's name's Terry Real. He says that every decision that I have, if the outcome is not kind, then the decision does not go forward. And that was about a week ago. So I'm not like saying this is some like glorified <laughs> practice that I've been using. But I'll tell you what, I can tell you that until the last week, I've never thought of 
every decision that I make, if it comes not kind, well, then why do I actually have to make the decision? Yeah. And I've always been, you know, held with, I have to make these decisions. Yeah. Like the other day I was on an HR call with our HR firm, like bless their heart, the applied companies in Reno, Nevada. I love you guys because you have eliminated so many things in my world. But I told them straight up, like, I didn't start high fives to talk about benefits. I didn't talk about about your payment structures. I didn't talk about a handbook. Like, this is not why I started high fives. <laughs> I saw that there's a massive void in this world. And it has taken a lot to be able to fill that void, to be able to stand where we are today. You know, we're hitting our 15 year. And so many people told me for the longest time, get to 10 years, then you're viable, then you're liable, then you're, you know, sustainable. Well, we hit 10, you know, a lot of great success in the last five. But I really think the next five are going to be the best five ever of high fives. And that's because I think they finally have a leader that's accountable for his mistakes. He's got a team built around him that can do things that he's not capable of doing. And he also knows that his, personality, his emotion, and his leadership is what people want. And if I can show up like that, like I tell everyone else, hey, just show up today. You're beating 90% of everybody else. Well, if I can show up today with that joy every time, then just imagine what we can do. And I think like that to me is like, that's leadership. But now the biggest thing is putting it in practice and then, you know, making it a ritual. Well, there's a, there's a great, you know, we've talked a little bit about identity shift. And I think you said mindset once in the conversation today, but Carol Dweck at Stanford has a book called Mindset. And she also has a a saying in that book, becoming is better than being. And so I just appreciate your vulnerability there. And I appreciate your recognition because we all are imperfect. We all are works in progress. We all have great strengths. And sometimes those strengths are weaknesses. And, you know, that becoming is better than being just always stands out for me. You're on the path. And I think that's all we can ask of folks is that you're trying to look within, trying to be better and paying attention. Yeah. I think that's like the biggest takeaway is like, no path is straight. And it goes back to our adapt and destroy. Like if every time you hit a barrier, if you're not able to you know, find the detour or figure out the way to tunnel through or hole around or put your bridge up and over it or just smash through the wall too. send some tank through it or what cool thing I don't even know about how to blow down walls, but you know, there's probably something else cool out there too. <laughs> I think that's like the biggest thing is like no path is A to B. And yeah. it's like, you're so like focused on A to B, which I think like, you know, not allowing yourself to feel things using other things to eliminate feelings is a great way to stay on a path that goes A to B because the fact that you are just on this path that only you are present on. So you're only going A to B. You're not allowing anyone else on that path. And I think that's a really big thing that I think a lot of people need to understand that like, I never planned for a life-changing career. I wasn't like, okay, cool. At the age of 24 and a half, you're going to break your back and you're no longer going to ski the way you did. You're no longer going to be houses and working on an engineering, you know, job. You're going to now be leading a nonprofit organization that has stepped up to the forefront of being one of the nationally recognized organizations that's really doing great change in this space. I can tell you that has never been on my list, but it's on my list now. Yeah. Well, Roy, as we begin to wind down for today, what's caught your attention recently? What have you been streaming or listening to? 
Is there a podcast that you love, a resource that stands out? It could have to do with what we've just discussed. It might have nothing to do with what we've discussed. I was saying to you earlier, you know, Elena had mentioned this book, The Myth of Normal. I'm 75% of the way through that powerful listen. I'm listening to it when I work out. But what stands out for you? What's caught your attention in recent times? I'm searching for every podcast that Gabor Mate is on. I'm probably butchering his name because I'm horrific at saying people's names correctly. He was just on Diary of a CEO. He was on a quick little one with Joe Rogan. He's been on it with Armchair Expert. And the most one that's been recent was on a Diary of a CEO when he talks about how his interview with Prince Harry really put him in a space that he speaks at such a high level of how to overcome or move forward or be comfortable with. And to hear someone, expert in the field, leading individual in that mindset change kind of vertical, to hear him talk about having to deploy his own set of tools that he speaks about, you know, and he, he talks about how he would speak to a large group and then feel defrauded because he's telling these individuals, you can't succumb to all these things. And it's happening to him right then. And so to hear someone like that, it really makes you understand like, yo, be kind to yourself. And I said this to my dad the other day, and it was like such a cool practice to hear. My dad's all frustrated because he's got an ankle injury. And he's like, he literally goes, stupid old me. I could have just been working on this before. I wish I wasn't so lazy and thought about my health a little bit more. And I'm like, I stopped him. I said, hey, dad, you're a lazy piece of shit. Why don't you try harder? He's like, dude, what the hell, man? He's like, why are you saying that to me? I was like, I'm just taking your words, what you're saying to yourself about yourself and allowing you to hear someone else say them to him because you would never, ever allow anybody to talk to you that way. And he stopped right then. And you know, the worst part about this, if we're being honest, is I gave advice that I need more than anyone. (laughs) But I think sometimes when you're able, you know, to hear it, you know, that's the best teachers is when you can stop and be like, whoa, I'm going to give the advice that someone else needs to hear, but you know, you need to hear it more. And I think like the way he's been talking, that's really cool. This book that I've been reading, one that I think everyone should read is just Matthew McConaughey. But like you just said, most yeah. people like to read books, but if you are ever going to say, I'll listen to one book on tape, Green Lights is it. The yeah. way he draws in yeah. there, yeah. when he talks about his brother with the nocturnal block, you know, and you're just like, oh my God, imagine if he said that to you, like how the hell would you just hold that together? Like that to me is just like, Really good. And then anything by Ryan Holiday. I love his books. I just finished the Discipline is Destiny book that he just did. And then another one that I've always really liked that I kind of go back to. I really find books and I kind of go back to them because I'll fall asleep to them. I travel so much. I'm constantly on planes listening to books. So kind of kind of have to go back and, and go back and kind of go through them. But yeah, Green Lights is on there. That's just like one that never stopped. And then this one that's kind of out there, hey, judge me if you want, called Many Lives, Many Masters. And it's this concept about we've all been here before. And some trauma that we can't let go of could be from past lives. And they have real life incidents of like documented, like truly medical documented reports of people that can talk about the Gettysburg War and have like a wound from that time that's now a birthmark. Anyways, 
it's huh. out there, but I love to like kind of challenge the mind Ooh. every once in a while. And that one, many lives, many masters. So if there's three books, I would say many lives, many masters, anything by Ryan holiday, and then anything you can find by Gabor Mate, and then do listen to green space by Matthew McConaughey. Cause it's just so good. Even I, we don't even listen to the words, just listen to his voice. No, I, I listened to that as well. And you're right. I mean, he's just kind of fascinating to listen to. The only other individual that has read a book where I was just absolutely captivated, I would look forward to getting in the car. It is Tyson Yunka Porta, and he wrote a book called Sand Talk, and it's how indigenous thinking can change the world, Sand Talk. Oh. And I mean, to listen to this gentleman tell the story, it's just absolutely beautiful. So that's what I'll kind of leave listeners with. If we're going to go with that's like, what I was just typing, <laughs> you just want to listen to Tyson read this book because it's just captivating. It's absolutely captivating. Well, sir, you're doing good work in the world. You're good doing, you're doing good work on yourself. And, you know, thank you. Thank you for all the good and all that good energy that you're putting out into the world and the lives and that you're changing. And I can see it you know, walking alongside people as their identity is shifting and they're seeing a new future and a new path for themselves in times when maybe it's a little bit unclear. That's God's work. I'm not putting any version of God <laughs> on anything, but you're getting, yeah. you're, you're earning some karma points. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate the recognition as well, but thank you. <laughs> uh, well, we'll do it again. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for all the good you're doing in the world, Roy. Thank you so much. Like, it's really wild to me. We're about to do our gala. There's 50 tables at this gala, all the centerpieces. We couldn't think like, what should we do? What should we do? Boom, we had this idea and we created national forest signs. And so the idea that was it the correct move? Thank you, because there's no coincidences in life. And when people realize that, when people see the signs, and this is a non-pun, I see the sign. Thank you for confirming something for me. And thanks for such a great conversation as well, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Be well. Take care. Cheers. Uh, in the last little segment, as we were looking at each other and recording this episode, he could see a sign of Olympic National Forest in the background. And so that's what Roy was referring to as he said, I see the sign. <laughs> Uh, you know, what a wonderful conversation. What an important conversation. There's so many things in there from a practical wisdom standpoint. Becoming is better than being. None of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. Every one of us have great strengths and areas of growth. And you heard him be extremely vulnerable in that moment and just share what he's been working on as a leader. And I think there's just such an important lesson there. You also, as an, you, you also have an individual who, as he said, his trajectory shifted and changed. And how is he creating a new life based on that new trajectory and trying to make a difference for others? And then I just love that mindset of destroying barriers. So interesting. So interesting. So for me... Practical Wisdom is all over that episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have not listened to the 200th episode with Elena Nichols, uh, please, 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 please listen to that episode as well. Just an incredible story. 
that Elena brings to the listener in that episode. So take care, everyone. As always, thank you so much for checking in. Bye-bye. You have just finished another episode of Practical Wisdom for Leaders with Scott Allen. To contact me, visit www.scottjallen.net or send me a note at scott at scottjallen.net. I can also be found on Twitter and LinkedIn, so let's connect. Now, if you have feedback, I'd love to hear it. And as always, thank you so much for listening. One final nod to our sponsors, the International Leadership Association and the Bowler College of Business at John Carroll University. And now, here's Kate's twin sister, Emily, with the outro. You've been listening to Phronesis, Practical Wisdom with Scott Allen.